Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Uh, a new series because it's a new year, and and uh, and that's what we're doing is 2020. And uh, and so, if you will, if you have a Bible with you, uh, we go to the Bible every single week here at Convo Church. Uh, it's not just a historical book; it's the Word of God. Uh, we believe in it from the from cover to cover. We think that there's something there that God has for us. It's not just an ancient book that's irrelevant. Uh, every ounce of it has relevancy to our life, to our culture, to our world. Amen. So we, we go there every single week. And I'm going to go to uh, the book of Isaiah. If you don't know where the book of Isaiah is, if you were to open your Bible pretty much like right in the middle, you're pretty close to it, somewhere in there to the left or right. We're going to Isaiah chapter 43. And a uh, series we're doing now uh, for this month called The New Normal. Can somebody say new normal? How many of you need some new normals in your life? Maybe what was, maybe what was uh, clicking last year isn't clicking now. What you did before isn't necessarily going to sustain you for what God wants to do next. And uh, today, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, let that, be, let that be a New Year's resolution that you don't just show up to church and listen, but you actually write some stuff down that you can look at during the week so that hopefully Sunday impacts your Monday through your Saturday. And so if you're, t- if you're taking notes, the title of the message today is God doesn't do business as usual. Starting in verse 1. It says, But now, O Jacob... Listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. And when you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. These are good amen moments. You can receive this for yourself. When you walk through the the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Others were given in exchange for you. That's a a little prophetic insight right there of what Christ would do for us in the future. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. Isn't it good to know this morning at church in 2020 that God loves you? He knows what you did last year, and he still, he still loves you. That's so, that's so generous. It says, but do not be afraid again, for I am with you. I will gather you and your children from the east and the west, and I will say to the north and south, bring my sons and daughters back to Israel. From the distant corners of the earth, bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. It says, bring out the people who have, uh, who have eyes but are blind who have ears but are deaf. Gather the nations together, assemble the people of the world. Which of their idols has ever foretold such things? Which can predict what will happen tomorrow? Where are the witnesses of such predictions? Who can verify that they spoke the truth? But you are my witness, O Israel, says the Lord. You are my servant. You have been chosen to know me, believe in me, and understand that I alone am God. This is so good. There is no other God. There, uh, there never has been and there never will be. Yes, I am the Lord and there is no other Savior. First, I predicted your rescue and then I saved you and proclaimed it to the world. No foreign God has ever done this and you are witnesses that I am the only God, says the Lord. This is preaching all by itself. I love it when the Bible does that. 
From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anyone out of my hand, for no, for, uh, for no one can undo what I have done. A couple more verses here. Y'all doing okay? All right. It says, for uh, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships that they are so proud of. Don't you, don't you want the, uh, the Lord to come in and kind of shush away your enemies? Shush doesn't sound very powerful, but God will take care of it. All right. He says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened the way through the waters, making dry path through the sea. I called forth a mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses and drew them beneath the waves and they drowned their lives snuffed out like smoldering candlewick. You can picture your enemies. Remember, we don't battle against flesh and blood. So you gotta get a different picture from what's in your mind right now. I know you. Anyway, he says, but forget all that. All that good stuff that God said, hey, remember I'm the Lord, remember I love you, remember all this. He says, but forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in dry wasteland. Man, we can picture that kind of in the Sierra High Desert, can't we? You know, just, just where, there, where there used to be just desert, where there used to be sagebrush and tumbleweed, all of a sudden life begins to pour through what used to not have life. Father, we pray that in the moments that we have today, Lord, as a church, beginning this brand, this brand new decade, God, 2020 vision, you're going to do something this, this year, this month, this decade that has never been done before. Father, we get to be a part of it. Lord, generations have looked towards it, but God, we get to be a part of what you're going to do in this season, and we pray that this morning that you would open up our heart to receive, Lord God, help us to put down walls, barriers, any, any, anything that would keep us from what you're trying to communicate to us, Father. We wanna receive it today in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. Well, uh, depending, depending on your own life experiences, which I get it, it's kind of subjective and can change from year to year, or, or for some of us, like day to day, we never know, you know what the life experiences are gonna throw our way. Um, you can either look at a new year as, as an opportunity for, for new things, for growth, for opportunity to, you know, new habits. I'm going to do, it's going to be, it's going to be brand new, new year. I'm going to maximize it. It's going to be great. Or on the flip side of that, and, and I've been guilty of this, you can get to a point where you're like, well, yeah, we do the thing every year. It's nothing different today than yesterday. It's just a different number at the end of the date. Nothing's changing. This is just, this is just the way it is. This is just how life is. And we've all been there on probably both sides of that coin at some point in time. But, um, you know, for example, if all you've known is challenging relationships, maybe you would be tempted to look at this new year because of maybe the struggles and the defeat that you faced before and say, yeah, so what, 2020, 2019, you know, 18, 16, who cares? It's just the same thing. I've, I've had bad relationships, that's all I've known, and that's probably all I'm ever going to experience. Or, you know, whatever it may be. Hey, this is the job that I, that I have. This is all I can qualify for. Nothing's probably ever going to change. Or you can grow up in the South and eat Southern cooking your whole life and never know what guacamole is. I should, I should tell the story. There's a story behind that because I just went from serious to guacamole like in two seconds. See, y'all don't, don't know something about me. Maybe some of you do. I grew up born and raised in, in Southern Virginia. And so with that comes certain food privileges and challenges. Because in the South, and I'm not talking, some of y'all think South, you think Texas and Southern California. 
You're thinking Tex-Mex and fish tacos. That's not what I'm talking about. Y'all don't know nothing about this, okay? I'm talking about food where it's, it's fried chicken and pork chops. It's vegetables, but they're either deep fried or they're cooked in pork fat back. That's how we get our vegetables <laughs> in that region of the country. And so for me, I grew up being told, being made to believe that this foreign thing called guacamole was terrible. It was evil. It was of the devil. They never really said that, but just hindsight. And now as a parent with three children, I now understand why. Because anytime you want some, they're going to put three or four dollars on top of your tab. My parents were very smart. You ever wonder why you go to the restaurant and you ask them to make the guacamole in front of you, why they're charging you like $12 more than if they made it back in the kitchen? Okay, that's, that's just, I was just up here. Like, man, that was a lot of effort to bring that cart out here and make the guacamole. Okay. But uh, so I, 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 I grew up in, in Virginia, born and raised, like I was telling you, and, uh, but decided to go far, far away from home to Bible college, to a land far, far away where the sun doesn't shine so much and there's lots of moisture that falls from the sky. Yes, I'm talking about the Pacific Northwest. But one beautiful thing of many that happened while I was there is I, I met the love of my life. And she began in her, in her weird Northwestern ways to introduce me to these, these new cuisines that I've never experienced before. The first sushi I ever had was from a Safeway. I don't suggest doing that. That was, that was a bad first experience. I've since redeemed that. So we, I uh, remember going to, to Glenn and Peggy's house for, I don't think it was the first time, but one of the first times to meet Kara's parents, because guys, that's a big deal, got to make a first impression. And, and I don't know what it was, but uh, there was something going on, but Glenn, you had made what I thought was a lovely dish of, of bean dip. And we, you just were, and I'm like, man, this bean dip's good stuff. And you're like, that's not a bean dip. I'm like, what is it? He goes, that's guacamole. <laughs> Y'all ever seen Aladdin? A whole new world. I mean, it's just like. Everything began a guacamole of loving you was wrong. Then I don't want to be right. You know, I'd... now this wasn't the fancy guacamole that you get in some of the good restaurants. This is what I would call like redneck guacamole. You take the hot spicy paste and you put fresh avocado in there and you just smush it up together and it turned brown. So I thought, yeah, this is bean dip, but I'm just, man, it's bean dip. It's guacamole. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just having flashbacks. It's really good. And isn't it funny how sometimes if we just get stuck in believing that, that this is just how it's always going to be, we miss out on the opportunity of what could be. It's so, and I say in the church word, but in, in world, but in the bigger picture, in the, in the religious world, and even in those that, that, have, that have not stepped into that world for whatever reason, maybe just don't know, maybe had a bad experience, <laughs> You know, yeah, I tried it, but I had a bad experience. But I don't know about you, but anywhere in our world, there's the opportunity to have a bad experience. But listen, just because I had that sushi at that Safeway doesn't mean I threw all the sushi out. I just knew, I knew that it had to be good, but I had to go to the source to find out where I could get it and it was going to be good. Sometimes we take what we observe in the religious world we take what we observe even in the church world or we look at Christians who, who, uh, who, who blast their, uh, the, the shallow aspect of their belief all over the place, but when we meet them face to face, they're some of the meanest people we've ever met, met in our life, and we say, if that's God, let me throw this baby out with the bathwater. 
Oh, I tried church. I went to that one church, but they never talked to me. So that's how God is. I'm done with this thing. So I would encourage you, if you've ever been to a bad restaurant, you probably didn't stop going to restaurants. You just stopped going to that one. Listen, what God has for you is worth so much more than, than letting it be ripped away from you because of a bad experience or maybe not even a bad experience. Sometimes our interpreted bad experiences are just a moment where things were out of context and we weren't ready. We didn't know what to do. I've seen people have a first encounter with God that was great and changed their lives and blew everything apart in a good way and then you never see him again. And then you find out later something scared them. It wasn't because it was a bad experience, it's because they, they were just unfamiliar with what was happening. It's just part of the journey. But when our normal, listen, when our normal is ruled by what has always been, we'll never truly experience what could be. All right, now think about this. How often, um, and if you have been kind of been in the church world or raised in the church, you know, we say this a lot, and, and there's nothing wrong with this. I want to kind of preface that, but man, I just want to praise God for all he's done. We kind of did that in worship today. I'm so thankful that when I went through the fire, God was there with me. When was that? That was before. That was in the past. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with celebrating the greatness of God for what he has done. But here's where we get in, in trouble. We get so focused on the things that God has done that we can see that we don't take our eyes and place them forward, trusting God for the things that we cannot yet see. So check this out. So if God, that whole verse, that 75,000 verses we just read together a second ago, all of it comes to, like, God was doing great things. Here's the cool thing. All the things that God was doing for Israel and all the things that God does for you are not things that you deserve. You're like, well, I don't know about you. I'm a good person. You think that. And I applaud, I applaud your goodness. But the reality is, is that it, it is the, the grace of God that gives us all the things that we don't deserve. And it's the mercy of God that keeps us from getting all the things that our stubborn tails do deserve. But we get to celebrate and live in a reality knowing that the God of our past is a God that did great things. But we cannot get stuck in the past. We have to know that God is doing a new thing today. And what God is going to do tomorrow is going to be a new thing. And what is ahead of you? Every challenge, every struggle, every battle that you will be in, just like my wife was saying earlier, that's where God is because that's where he knows you need him to be. But it's going to be kind of hard to have faith for what's ahead of us when all we can ever celebrate are the things that we can see and touch and are tangible. Man, I tell you, sometimes, and, and I love uh, when Bailey was leading us, I love that she paused and she led us in a moment of understanding, hey, this ain't a concert, people. This isn't the portion of our service where we perform for you. This is an opportunity for somebody who's had an encounter with a real God to be able to raise their hands and shout and clap their hands because you know what God has done for you. And I know sometimes in a church like this, it can be easy to kind of wonder, like, what the heck is wrong with everybody? Why is that dude so excited? Why can't this guy just stand up behind a pulpit with a stationary microphone and speak calmly to us? I wish I could. I wish I, wish I could. Well, you don't have to worry. It's not going to happen. I just... 
But I, I just, there's just something when you get to realize what God has done for you. Because here's the deal. Maybe you don't understand why the person next to you, behind you, or in front of you is singing so loud. And maybe has tears coming down their face. Or if it's the right song, maybe they got a little, little skip in their step. You're like, what are they doing? This is weird. We're not at the club. And they're like, yeah, but you don't understand about that person. They shouldn't be here. You don't understand that, that what was supposed to take them out in 2019 failed. And they've got something to celebrate. And I'm telling you, if somebody got excited in church today, you should be on your feet clapping your hands right now. I got one. I got two. Was this an auction? Come on, can you give 10 seconds to God right now and just let him know that you're thankful not for what he's did, but what he's going to do? Because I know somebody here, I'm hoping, or I'm talking to the wrong people. Some of y'all just got freaked out. I want you to know that's okay. Because we will, we will spill a beer on our neighbor when our team scores a touchdown. Or when somebody beats the Patriots. See? Spilled beer, spilled beer right there. I just thought. Somebody like, how'd they get a beer in church? Anyway. You're watching The Bachelor, and he picks the girl that you wanted him to pick. Popcorn's flying. You're buying tickets to go see them at GSR. I don't even know what you're going to see. I don't know. I don't know that's a thing. But when it comes to the goodness of God and the fact that he saved you, he redeemed you, he forgave you, he picked you up, we're just like... I'm not mocking anybody, listen. It's a process. I grew up in church, born and raised, but I still remember the first time that in worship, I kind of raised my hand near my parents. I didn't want them to know about my relationship with God. They're like, I'm good, hey dad. And I realize it's a journey, but I'm telling if you continue on the journey, you will no longer have to be content with what you have seen you will become excited and content about the things that you have not yet seen. Some of us, we've allowed our response and our relationship with God to be so fickle and so shallow that we will do and perform for God as long as he performs for us. But what God wants to do in you in 2020, whether it's today, whether it's this year, or whether it's by 2029, we know that we're on a journey, is to become people who are going to respond to God, not just because of what we can touch and smell and taste and see, but because of the things that we know that God's going to do because he said he will do it. I'm telling you, church, listen, our city is filled with enough circumstantial Christianity and it ain't working. The people of our region need something that is real and experiential and tangible and, yes, emotional. My God's not an emotional God. Where'd my emotions come from? Why am I shouting so much? <laughs> people on the line with the speakers, I'm so terribly sorry. But at least you'll hear me today. Come on, people need something that is real. They don't need just a service. They don't need just a church. They don't need just a religion. They need a relationship with, a, with our God that is our creator, that is real, that is tangible, that actually brings dynamic power into our lives so that we don't have to rely on the goodness of our own religious efforts, but we can move forward on the goodness and the grace of our God. 
Y'all are talking pretty good today. It's a good way to start the year. But God says, wait, wait. All those good things, even even if you had to work hard to remember the good things I've done in your life, just wait. Forget all that. Forget all those things. Yeah, but isn't isn't it good? Yeah, sure. But you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. Because the best is still ahead of us. The best is still yet to come. For some of y'all, you may be thinking, he doesn't have to work very hard for the best to be ahead of me. Okay, that's great. That just makes it easier for you to move forward, right? Be like, it can't get any worse than it has been. Great, we're in a great space to move forward in faith. To believe that the challenges that we've experienced, the pain that we've experienced, the hurts, the the unanswered prayers that we thought God was going to do something, and it didn't work out the way that I hoped it was going to work out, we still are in a position to say, God, you're still good. You're still, you're still a good father. You still desire to blow my mind and to not just do things in front of me, but actually to use me and work through me to begin to do the things that are going to blow other people's minds. You're going to see a lot this year, just the undertone, which I guess maybe every year we should, but this year see an undertone really pushing into faith, really pushing into faith, because we can't continue to try to follow Jesus based on what we can see. It doesn't work that way. As a matter of fact, the, the early disciples or the original disciples that followed Jesus, most of them struggled so bad because they heard what Jesus was saying and they saw him in the flesh. But even the things that he was speaking of that would yet come, they still didn't quite believe it until it tangibly happened. But the game changer was when Jesus went from being a teacher and a prophet and a, and a leader in the religious community and then dying because that had happened before. There were plenty of people in their community that there were religious leaders that got killed. But the thing that changed everything is that Jesus came back to life. And all of a sudden, the things that Jesus had said to them before began to come to life. And they began, here's the thing, they killed all the apostles, except for one. And, they, and it's not because they didn't try. John was just a little bit more stubborn. <laughs> he survived, so they put him on an island and he gets the book of Revelation. But here's the deal, they realized My life is no longer the thing that is of most value for me because I know that this life is not the end of this life. And I know that regardless of what happens to me in this life, whether I live the most financially blessed, prosperous person ever, and when that's in my time to come to Jesus, a white chariot comes down and picks me up, and there's no pain, there's no hurt, there's no anguish, whether that happens or whether I suffer and I suffer and I suffer, in the end I still win. Why? Because Jesus won. He rose from the dead. I know that there's more. And my faith is not going to be predicated on what I'm seeing. My faith is going to be predicated on what I believe in Christ. It gives us hope. It gives us hope for what's in front of us. Listen, it doesn't take faith to praise God for what, um, sorry, let me read, I'm going to, because I have to read this to you guys. There's sometimes you, you say something, there's sometimes you get a thought and you write it down. You're like, if I don't say it, write this down, I'm not going to say it right. It doesn't take faith to praise God for what he did, it only takes gratitude. And you need that, you need that. It takes faith to praise God for what he's going to do. Somebody said, say it again, it doesn't take faith to praise God for what he did, it only takes gratitude. Sometimes we think, man, my faith is strong because I'm so grateful for what God did last year. No, that, that doesn't, that's not faith, that's gratitude. Have the gratitude, you need the gratitude. Because gratitude can begin to build something in you to believe for what you used to not be able to believe for. 
Faith can be inspired by what we have seen, but faith can only be used for what we cannot and have not yet seen. And the purpose of our faith is to give us confidence moving forward into what we cannot see. Am I pounding that point home enough? It's about what we can't see. God is a good God in what you don't know is gonna happen. God is a good God when you don't know if you're gonna be healed. God is a good God when you don't know how you're gonna pay the bills. God is a good God when you don't know what your future holds. Come on, God is a good God when you don't know if your marriage is gonna make it through the next month. When our relationship with God is, is built only on the evidence of what we can see, then we will struggle when we have to step out and trust him in the moments when we cannot see. There's a beautiful passage where Jesus is telling a story about, about the, 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 the seed and the farmer, the sower, and he, he's like, yeah, so the farmer he took in the, in the kingdom of God, he took scattered seed and some seed fell on the, on the path it got trampled on and some seed fell on rocky soil and it sprung up fast, but it didn't have roots. And so it ended up withering and dying. And so much of that happens to people. And maybe you've struggled with that in your own walk with God. You've had moments of great passion and excitement where something was happening. Maybe you're in an environment like this and people are getting excited. You're like, yeah, I feel good about this. And, and, and at the very end, we pray and people raise their hand and give their life to Christ. And you're all excited. But all of a sudden, you go back outside of this building and you realize the, the same life that was there when you came in here is there waiting for you when you go back out. And if we, if we don't surround ourselves, yes, with community, with the people that are in this room, the people even that we know who are speaking Christ-centered life into us, if we don't have that community, but if we also don't have other aspects of the church world and the word of God and worship and prayer nurturing the soil of our spirit, then we will end up being of those who got excited and, and it, the flower produced and all of a sudden, boom, it got sucked right back down. And then we blame God. God, you weren't there. No, it's, it's not about God because he's always going to continue to be there. And he's not mad at you that it didn't work out the first time. He's not frustrated with you that you didn't fully understand out of nowhere. He's a gracious, loving God that desires to bring you on a journey of faith that is step by step, often backwards before you move forwards, but trusting that you are around people that are going to help you on that journey. Because there's no greater enemy than isolation. And it is human nature to when you are going through something difficult and maybe your heart and your mind's not in the right place, not in this healthiest place, we, we back off and withdraw and we isolate. And we try to endure a moment or we try to push through something or even worse, we go to that dark place that we're not, we're not sure if we can even get out of it. But God's trying to get to us this morning. He's trying to get to us. He wants to establish a new normal in you. And the cool thing is not just like a new extreme, it's a new normal. It's easy to get hyped up on a mountaintop experience, but we don't live on mountaintops, we live in valleys. We live in the foothills. We, we live in those moments. So, so yes, God is the God of the mountaintop, but he's also equally the God of the valley. And he wants you to have those great experiences that allow you to see things from a different perspective, but then he wants you to take it and go back and live it in your life and live in community with people that are on that exact same journey. God doesn't do business as usual. He's the God of the new day, the new life, the new person, the new chance, the new opportunity. Here's a verse that I love this verse. I try to use it whenever I can because I believe it's so powerful. First Corinthians chapter five, um, starting in verse 14. It says, either way, Christ's love controls us. 
That word control doesn't mean like, like a robot. He doesn't have a remote control. It means it is the driving force to motivate us how we live. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. We died to it. It's, not a, it's in my back pocket. The life that we live prior to coming to know Christ, God's trying to let you know that it's, it's dead. It's, it's, it needs to be buried. It needs to not be revisited. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Man, that'll preach, won't it? That doesn't just mean your, your best friends. That also means um, the people that you'd be cool with if you never had to ever see them or talk to them again. <laughs> Maybe you're related to them. Maybe you work with them. Maybe it's just people that you pass on the street and before you even know who they are, you've already determined in your mind what you think about them. Maybe it's the people that serve in political office in various places. Maybe it's the people around the world that, that live certain ways and do certain things and we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. And this means that anyone, somebody say anyone, because that, that's, yeah, it's anyone. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. I love this right here, a new person. That means that God is not duct taping your sorry self together. We always use that, you know, God's just picking up the broken pieces and putting it together. And it's, and it's like the, the Asian art of, and I don't know what the word is, where they put gold in it. And I'm like, that's a beautiful analogy. But that's not what God did for you. He didn't fix you. He's making you brand new. Brand new. Doesn't mean there's not things in your life that God doesn't fix and repair in relation. I get that. But I'm talking about you and your spirit and your soul, your mind, your will and emotions. God's not trying to repair you. He wants you to surrender to an old life being completely put away. The sins of the past the mistakes of the past, the errors of the past, the abuse of the past, the brokenness of the past. He says, I'm not trying to fix that in you. I'm making you into a brand new person. As a matter of fact, what has been done to you and maybe what you've done to others is no longer a part of the new that I'm creating inside of you. Yeah, maybe it's gonna take time for people that, that think they know you to accept that. That's okay, have grace for them. Because the same grace that we experience through Christ, guess what? You didn't deserve it, so neither do the others. But we still got to give it to him. You may still have the uncle that knows you as that crazy person who's just doing all the wrong things. They know that you're the person who's going to screw up all the holidays, but you're like, that's not who I am anymore. Oh, you're, 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 the, you're the addict. Nope. No, I mean, I, I remember that, but that's not me anymore. Oh, you're, you're just, you know, fill in the blank. No, that's not, that's not me anymore. And you don't have to prove it to people. Just be you. Just be the you that Christ is making brand new. And give yourself room for failure. Give yourself room for being unsuccessful. But don't allow yourself to be caught in the trap of saying, well, I tried and it didn't work, so I guess this isn't for me. Because it is. Anyone who is in Christ 
has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. In 2020 for us, Combo Church, it's, it's gonna be a year of a new normal, which isn't hard because we've only been a year old. This is our second year. <laughs> but still, how easy is it just to fall into a habit and a routine? This is just what we do. This is just what we do. This is just what we do. And miss the heart behind why we do what we do. Thanks again for listening to the Combo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.